Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. All right, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. As you're preparing to uh, follow along with me, if you want to be turning to John 15, I uh, want to make mention of today, if possible, if you're planning on attending the Christmas Monologues Dinner Theater. You need to see Joey and uh, sign up today. There will be dinner on Saturday, no meal on Sunday night at 6 o'clock this weekend, our Christmas Monologues. I can't believe already we are in the month of December, and uh, don't forget a lot of other announcements about what's going on as we approach the holidays in the handout this morning. I want to thank you, many of you braving getting here this morning when I came in, uh, about 7 o'clock, it was, uh, I thought maybe I should start preaching about Noah today because of uh, what was coming down, it. but I'm glad that it cleared up, so thank you for fighting that. I know some of you are fighting through some other challenges of the weekend. Uh, I'm thankful, and I'm not even going to mention yesterday because I would never do that. I'd never do that. I'd never mention yesterday. I'd never mention yesterday. One point, I know, one point, but I'll take it, I'll take it, because what, seven years, first time in seven years, so hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, Pastor, you shouldn't bring up things like that in the pulpit, I know, forgive me, you have to forgive me because you're a believer, so there you go, give me some grace, give me some grace. Uh, I hope you did have a great Thanksgiving. I spent a couple days uh, at the beach with my sister and her kids, and uh and my mom and dad, of course, my family, but my mom and dad. My mom, again, I want to thank you as a church for your prayers for her. Some of you know, most of you know, I think she uh, went through, as some of you are now facing, uh, chemo. And uh, uh, summer of last year, uh, the doctors told her she had a couple months, and uh, they were wrong. Uh, she is healed and in remission. When she was going through chemo, she would keep telling, she said, I just want to go to the beach one more time. One more time. So we uh, broke Thanksgiving tradition and we went to, uh, to the beach and had a great time. And we thought about how thankful we were. Um, I was that guy who, when we got through eating, said, okay, we're going to go around the table and tell what you're thankful for. Did anybody do that at their Thanksgiving meal? Okay, a handful of you. A handful. It's not a bad tradition. As soon as I said to do that, I could feel the, oh, Dad. I could feel the, the pressure, but I'm glad we did it. And we went around the table and talked about what we were thankful for. And I think that took longer than it did to eat the meal. Because we thought about all the things we have thankful to be thankful for. And one of those uh, that I mentioned and Lynette mentioned, uh, she's under the weather today, be praying for her, but that we, that we mentioned was uh, our church family. I'm thankful for you. And uh, I love you. So I thank God for what he's doing in and through us together. John chapter 15, we're going to continue our study. I'm excited about the message today, and so I, I don't want to uh, get uh, 
distracted or not be focused on the message today, but I am very excited about the message next week because when, uh, when we started talking about going through the book of John and then realizing we're going to come into the Christmas season as we march Jesus uh, to the crucifixion, how's that going to match up with Christmas? I cannot wait to share with you what God has shown me for next Sunday because it goes right along with uh, what we're getting ready to celebrate with Christmas. So if you can be here next week, don't miss it. But this week, John chapter 15. I don't know, some of you did not grow up with this um, because he's not on anymore. But a lot of us uh, grew up with the late night guy named David Letterman. And uh, he would always start his late night show with a top 10 list. So uh, this morning I have for you kind of a top 10 list, if you will, from John 15 of signs that you are abiding abiding in Jesus. And the Lord gives us a lot of, of word pictures about His relationship with us as His people. He talks about us being His children. He talks about us being His friend that we just sung about, we're going to talk about in a minute. He talks about um, uh, us being sheep and Him being the shepherd. But perhaps uh, there's an analogy like no other in this chapter when Jesus talks about the fact that we are the branches and He is the vine. What in the world does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about it this morning. The branch actually depends on the vine more so than a sheep would depend on the shepherd and more even than a child would depend on the father. And we're going to see that, that these words that Jesus is giving His disciples, kind of His final um, monologue, if you will, as he's sharing some things with them before the crucifixion, uh, they knew that this was important information. And he did it not only a way uh, to give them information, but also as a way to encourage them. So let's read it together, John chapter 15. This morning, I'm actually probably going to stop along the way several times uh, because we've got 10 things that I see in this passage, and I want to try to get them in before we go to our small group. So let's just start. John 15. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. So let me stop right there and give you the first one that I see in this passage about results of abiding in the vine. The first one is this, we bear fruit. If you are abiding in Jesus as the vine and you are the branch, you will, according to Jesus, you will, a promise from His Word, you will bear fruit. And what kind of fruit is that? Well, it's all kinds of fruit. You could go and see what Paul says about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The list, there's a list in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 that talk about some of the fruit. There's other fruit about maybe uh, you're seeing spiritual growth in your life. Maybe people coming to know Jesus a result of your life. There should be spiritual fruit in your life. So here's a question. You know by now I ask myself questions as I'm studying. The question I wrote down 
about me is, am I seeing spiritual fruit? And in the church, generally speaking, in our world today, there are a lot of people who profess to be Christians, and there are a lot of people that you see zero fruit from. And Jesus is telling his disciples, if you are in the vine, if you're connected to me, if you are in relationship to me, there will be fruit. And that's uh, a hard thing to consider, to really take a spiritual inventory of our, of our lives and see if there is fruit. Is fruit. Am I bearing fruit? As a person, am I bearing fruit? One of the things that we have to do as Crossroads Baptist Church is we have to ask ourselves as a church, are we bearing fruit? How do we know? How do we know that we're growing? How do we measure? Well, in our mission statement, making disciples that serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ, part of how we measure what we do is in that second part of our name, which is two words. I know some of us still write it as one word, just crossroads, officially two words. That's all right. If you put it together, we'll forgive you. There's grace. But it's two words, and that second word, roads, is how we as a church collectively decided over three years ago that we would measure whether we are producing fruit. The word roads, are, are we reaching out to other people? Oh, are we putting other people above ourselves? Are we putting other people first? A, are we accountable to one another? D, are we making disciples? S, are we sending out missionaries? We just sent out a missionary, if you will, a home missionary a few weeks ago, Corey Bridges, that this church poured into for two years. So I can say, if that was only the one example, I can say our church is producing fruit. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. We should be. That is a result of abiding in the vine. It's evidence that we are abiding in the vine. But the second thing we also see in those verses that, that Jesus mentions is we get pruned. That is not fun. How many have done your pruning, your yard pruning, your tree pruning, your bush pruning? Anybody done that yet? Some of you, a few of you have. And we do that. Why do we prune trees or prune bushes? We trim them back so that they will be more full when they come back after the season's over. And in the same way, Jesus is saying right here, He's saying, if you are in me, guess what? You are going to get pruned. Every branch that bears fruit, I am going to prune. That is a painful process sometimes. We get pruned individually. We get pruned uh, spiritually. We get pruned corporately. And here's the mistake that some of us, including myself, sometimes make. We sometimes think, well, we're a Christian and life is going to be a rose-petaled trail and we're going to have sunshine and everybody's going to be singing, we are the world, and all these wonderful things are going to be happening if we're following Jesus. That is not the case, and most of us know that. And sometimes when we start to experience the pain of pr being pruned, we start to wonder, are we actually following God? Or, God, what did I do wrong? Or maybe there's sin in my life. Now, you need to take spiritual inventory and find out if there's sin in your life. But oftentimes, when we feel the pain of pruning, it's because we're bearing fruit. And we're doing things that God wants us to do. And He wants us to have more fruit, so He prunes us. If you read the book of Job, there's a great story about Job who is pruned. And he goes through all these things and people are crying out to Job saying, just curse God and die. Just curse God and die. And he says, no, I'm being pruned, basically, my paraphrase. He says, though the Lord slay me, I will hope in him. Job chapter 13. You've got to read the book of Job. It's great. And so when we are pruned, it is an example. It's a sign that we are abiding in the vine. So here's a question I wrote. Am I experiencing the pain of pruning? 
You don't ever experience the pain of pruning. Say that fast ten times. Then maybe you're not abiding in the vine. Because if you abide in the vine, you will produce fruit. And if you produce fruit, God in His sovereignty will prune you so that you can produce more fruit. He prunes us in a lot of different ways. Individually, He prunes us sometimes with affliction. Sometimes He prunes us individually with sickness. Sometimes He prunes us individually with a loss of job or loss of circumstances. And in North American Christianity, more often than not, we interpret those things to mean God doesn't like us, God's mad at us, or we did something wrong. And most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, God is pruning us so we will bear more fruit for Him. So let's keep reading. Jesus says this in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let me read that again. Wow, did, really? Jesus, did you just say that? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a lot of things that are wound up and tied up into what Jesus is saying. He, he's saying that when we remain in Christ, one of the things that we will experience and one of the things that will be a blessing to us is answered prayer. So one of the signs that we know that we're abiding in Jesus is we're bearing fruit, we're getting pruned, and we experience answered prayer. And not that we call on God to give us whatever we want. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's how some people in our world are, in, are interpreting it. Well, Lord, I'll just pray. I do a lot of traveling and preaching in your name, so I just pray that you would give me a jet. You laugh, but you laugh because maybe you know the same people that I know who are saying that. That's not what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture. He's saying prayer is spontaneous to those who remain in Jesus. Prayer is the natural overflow of those who are abiding in Jesus. Those who are not abiding in Jesus are most reluctant to pray. Why? Because they know when they abide in Jesus and they begin to pray, God begins to change the desires of your heart. And when He changes the desires of your heart, your desires start to match His desires. Therefore, when you pray, you pray according to His will. Not prayers that are for fluff. And things that you personally want. And just as the leaf and the fruit come out of this branch, without any conscious effort on the part of the branch, by the way, so prayer blossoms and prayer comes out of a person who is abiding with Jesus. We want to pray. We have a desire to pray. It's important. Don't, don't take this verse as a, a promise of unlimited answers to our prayers, for that's not what Jesus is saying. He actually qualifies what he says, and Jesus often does this, and a lot of times we overlook it. Jesus qualifies this. It's one of those if-then statements. Maybe you remember having those in school, those postulates and those theorems in, I think it was geometry class. If this is true, then this is true. If A plus B equals C, then B plus A equals C. I know that's painful flashback for some of you. I just had painful flashback of my geometry teacher, and I might need medication after the service. I know, I know. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So there's a couple of conditional things that he says there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then what happens? You can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So the question that I wrote down 
for myself this morning is am I, experienced, am I experiencing answered prayer? We experience answered prayer. Then he goes on to say this, verse 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. Here's the fourth thing we see. The fourth thing that we see is we glorify God. If you're abiding in Christ, then you will glorify God. He, says, he said earlier, apart from me you can do nothing. That doesn't mean apart from Christ you can do some things. He says apart from me you can do nothing substantial that's going to amount to, the, to making an impact in the kingdom of God or glorifying me. Let me just simplify it and say it this way because I like things simple because I grew up in Roba. If you're kind of wondering what's God's will for your life, and you're struggling today. If you're kind of wondering, what does, do I need to do next week, next year, next month? What is the purpose of me being on the planet? Here it is. Glorify God. That's it. If your heart is still beating and you are still breathing, the chief aim of mankind is to bring glory to God. That's why you and I are here. And the awesome thing is God gives us Tons of different ways to do that with our own giftedness, our own calling, our own passions, our own skills, our own spiritual gifts. But at the end of the day, our goal is to bring glory to God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Jesus said, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. So here's the question that I wrote down for me because a lot of times here's the question that I ask. God, why is this happening? God, why are you making this happen? God, why do I have to go through this? God, why is this situation? And what God is wanting me to say is, God, how can I bring you glory through this? How can I bring you glory through this? So we glorify God. Jesus goes on to say to the disciples, verse 9, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. So here's the fifth thing that we see. The fifth sign that we know we're abiding in Christ is we will obey His commands. He says later on in there, you're my friends. You are my friends, He says. Verse 14, if you do what I command you. I'm a friend of God. Yes, I'm a friend of God if I do what He's commanded me to do. Friendship and obedience are connected. I'm a friend of God as I obey Jesus. And obedience is rewarded. When I obey Christ, it's rewarded by being called a friend of His, by being in fellowship with Him and relationship with Him, and not just being a servant like we've talked about. We are a servant. But we are much more than even a servant. God doesn't just say that we're a servant. Christ says, you're not just a servant. You're my friend. Which is an amazing thing. We are a friend of God when we obey his commands. So I guess the converse would be true. We're not his friends if we delight in sinning. If we turn away from walking in holiness. So the question that I wrote down for Jack. Am I struggling to obey the commands of Jesus? And if I am struggling. Or if you're struggling. To obey something Jesus has commanded you to do, it could be an indicator that you and I are not plugged in and we're not abiding in Him. 
Because as we talked about, I think it was last week, the power source to accomplish what He's commanded us to do is the Holy Spirit. And that's what He wants us to do. So He says, we are to abide in, this, in Him. We are to stay connected to Him. He says, just as the Father has loved me, have I also loved you. Abide in my love and keep my commands. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made complete. This is my command that you love one another. The sixth thing that I see here is there is this connection between love and obedience. And we are in His love. He says, if you will abide in my love, verse 10, abide in my love. We are in His love. What does that mean? Well, it means, again, we're more than a servant. The servant works in a building, and he just is in an assembly line, if you will. And he just does what the master has told him to do. Perhaps he's never actually seen what's going to come out at the other end of the assembly line. But you and I have the great architect, the great creator of the world, who doesn't just come to us and tell us what to do, but he reveals to us as his children the great master plan that he has for the world, and that is the world to come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we get to be a participant in that. We're in his love. We're part of the process of seeing that happen. Number seven, we're full of joy. Why is Jesus saying this to the disciples? Well, he tells them, verse 11, I'm speaking these things to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. And when you and I as a disciple of Jesus, when we fail to abide in the love of Jesus and we fail then to keep his commandments, we will not experience the full joy of, that Jesus is promising here. Again, it's a conditional thing. If we want real joy, John, John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way. Jesus said, I've, not, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundant, more joyful, more full, more purposeful. The way that we do that is by abiding in Jesus. And when we fail to abide in His love, we fail to experience the joy that Jesus has promised. Have you ever met any of those kind of Christians? Have you ever seen those kind of Christians? They look like they've been walking around sucking on sour grapes. And the world looks at them, and we're trying to tell the world, follow Jesus. And the world sees some of those people and goes, if that's the kind of look that you have by following Jesus, no thank you. I'll just eat some sour lemonade, and I'll accomplish the same thing. Because they look so sad. Now, that doesn't mean the world doesn't beat us down from time to time. That doesn't mean we don't lose our happiness. But happiness is external, and happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is based on one thing. It's based on Jesus. So the fact that you and I can have joy, the fact that Jesus says one of the indicators that you're abiding in me is joy, maybe it's taking the disciples by surprise. I don't know. But it's true that if you want to experience the fullness of joy that Jesus is promising, we have to abide in His love. But then He talks about, He stretches that love thing a little bit further in verses 12 through 14. He says, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. Ow. Greater love is no man than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And we're getting ready to see that Jesus is calling these disciples his friends because he knows what's coming. He's getting ready to lay down his life for his friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And if you skip down to verse 17, he says it again. Twice in the matter of four or five verses, he says, this is about what I'm commanding you to do. Love one another. Church family, can I just say thank you and commend you 
because one of the great hallmarks, if you will, I believe, of crossroads is that we love one another. We don't always agree with one another, and that's okay. Because if we all agreed, we all would be robots. But we do love one another. And what's true if we believe God's Word, and I know you do, and I do, the reality is we are commanded to love one another. I know today it's hard for some of you to love some of us, because some of us are a little more smiley than some of us after yesterday. But we got to love one another. we got to love one another. And it's a great hallmark of this church. And, and just to be really honest, we've said this before. I think, I think generations before us have prayed that that would be a hallmark of this church. And as a result of that love, and as a result of those prayers, we're seeing people who are being drawn to that love. Because people are drawn to real Love, not conditional love, but real Jesus love, real unconditional love. And so Jesus is saying this for a number of reasons, perhaps, but he says it twice in the matter of those few verses. Love one another. So here's the question that I wrote down. Actually, a couple of questions. Maybe God was trying to get my attention with this one. Am I really loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I better at picking holes in another person's character and lifting them up to Jesus? Am I better at judging a fellow Christian harshly instead of loving them as Christ loved me? It's a command to love one another. If you want to know if I've been abiding in Christ... If you've been abiding in Christ, one of the indicators according to God's Word is that we love one another. Well, let's keep reading because he gives us a couple more. Kind of changes the conversation a little bit in the latter part of this chapter. If the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. Now, keep in mind who he's talking to here. He's talking to the disciples who have been following him for almost three years now of his, of his journey on earth. They've seen him do all the kinds of things, miraculous things, and for the most part, so far up to this point, the tide is getting ready to change. The crowds have flocked to Jesus because he's the miracle worker, and it's the signs and wonders, and everybody wants to see that. So they're flocking to that. But all of a sudden now, Jesus is getting ready to change the conversation, the tone of it, just a little bit, and say, hey, if you really want to know you're abiding in me, here it comes. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have... They would not have sinned, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned, but now they have both seen and hated me, and they hate my Father as well. But they have done this in order that the word may be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Let me just simplify. Are you rejected by the world? 
One of the great indicators that you're abiding in Christ is that you are rejected by the world. That is not popular, just so you know. You're in this church, probably most of you most Sundays, so you might not be hearing what's going around across America and being said from pulpits and in theological settings. If you think that the world is going to be your best friend and you're a child of God, Jesus is saying to the disciples, prepare yourselves because that is not going to be the case. I might think we need, I need, a reminder in 2022. Because, my dear friends, we have had it good compared to most countries on the planet when it comes to living as a Christian. You do realize that. I know you do. And I'm not just talking about the countries that we've been fortunate enough to go to as a church and take people to, like Malawi or the Dominican Republic. I saw a video this week of a pastor, I believe it was in Thailand, who was being pulled out of his church and being beat with a baseball bat because he was preaching the gospel. If you think everybody in the world, even in the divided states of America, are going to get along with you and treat you nice and and happy because you say you're a disciple, that's not going to happen. I'm not a prophet per se, necessarily predictor of the future, but if you read the Bible front to end, cover to cover, you read the Bible, church family, we are going to get sifted. Are you ready? It's easy to say I'm a Christian right now. It's easy to say I'm a follower of Jesus right now. It's easy to maybe even say I'm a disciple of Jesus right now. But the day is coming maybe as soon as next year. Depending on what world you're living in right now, you may say, Pastor Jack, it came for me a long time ago. Where have you been? Because some of you in school, the school systems, some of our students have been facing some of these things, and some of us as adults, because we're not in the school system, or maybe we don't have kids or grandkids, are oblivious to the fact of what is infiltrating the school system and trying to steal the hearts and minds of our kids. And you speak up and say, I'm a Christian. Well, guess what? You're going to be taking that class again because the teacher's going to fail you. We need not think that the world is going to be our friend if we're a child of God, if we're a disciple of God, if we're abiding in Jesus. And Jesus is trying to prepare the disciples for what's coming. They don't know what's coming. He does because He's God. He knows He's getting ready to give His life as a ransom. He knows He's getting ready to go to the cross. Because He was not what people expected. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. So you and I, if we are abiding in Jesus, one of the great indicators that we are abiding in Jesus is we are going to be rejected by the world. The world's not going to have anything to do with us. Why? Jesus told us. Because the world doesn't want to have fellowship with light because light exposes. And light puts the spotlight on what sin is. And the world does not want to put the spotlight on sin. The world wants to live as the world wants to live. I don't know what's coming. I just know it's according to what Jesus is telling us here. It's not going to be pretty. Part of what I believe will be that pruning process. And I pray to God that for us as Crossroads Baptists, it's not as painful as it could be. 
is that Jesus is going to prune away. There's a different kind of pruning that if you go back and you look in the earlier verses there in verse 5 and 6, there's two types of pruning that he mentions. There's one type of pruning for those that are bearing fruit, but there's a different type of pruning for those that aren't bearing fruit because he says in verse 6, if you're not abiding in me, you're going to be thrown away as a branch, dried up, gathered together, and cast into the fire and burned. What's he talking about? He's talking about people who are not really believers in Jesus. They're a believer in church, they're a believer in program, they're a believer in ministry, they're a believer in community, they're a believer in all the things that come along with the, the, the church of Jesus, but they have not really surrendered their life or plugged their life into being a follower of Jesus, a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus. And Jesus warns the disciples that that time is coming as well, when there'll be a pruning away of people who just say, I'm a Christian, but they aren't really a Christian. Can I ask you a question this morning? Church, I love you. Do you know Jesus? I know many of you, if not most of you do. I'm not asking you. Are you in a small group? I'm not asking if your name's on the church roll. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you let the preacher know that you love the church. I'm asking you, have you really surrendered your life to Jesus? These, these ten things that we're going through... Jesus is saying, if you are abiding in me and you've given your life to me, these ten things will be evident. Not one of them, but all ten of these things will be evident in your life if you're a disciple. If you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, it's really simple. You just surrender and say, Lord, I need you. I confess to you, I, I need to abide in you. I need, I need to be a part of the vine. I want to be sown into that vine. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to go to heaven. I want to have eternal life. I want to have the joy right now on this earth. And that's the only way you get there is surrender your life to Jesus. You say, Pastor Jack, how do you know? I know because all those things that I listed out about joining the church, being baptized, filling out a car, I did all those things. But I didn't know Jesus. I've told you that story before, I think, maybe even last week. Until I was about 16 years old, sitting over at Anderson College in an auditorium listening to a preacher. And I finally realized, well, you know what, that's cool. I've done everything except for give my life to Jesus. And that's the one thing you have to do to have eternal life and to know Him. And when we are sifted and that time is coming... My prayer would be that when the Lord sifts Crossroads Baptist Church, and it's going to happen, that every single one of us will be standing because we're connected into the, to the vine and we know Christ. Listen, you can put makeup on a pig and it's still a pig. And what we are accustomed to doing, what I'm accustomed to doing myself too, is making ourselves look good on the outside. But as the scripture reminds us, God looks on the heart. Do you know the Lord today? I hope you do. The last thing that we read in this passage, the tenth thing that Jesus tells us that we will do if we're a child of God, if we're abiding in Him. He says, when the Helper comes, what is the Helper? Well, we talked about that last week. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not an it, it's a He. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... Right there in that one verse is the Trinity. Jesus is saying the Father is going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you this as Jesus the Son. When He sends the Holy Spirit 
the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness of me. And you will bear witness also because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, He's not just talking to the disciples right there. He's talking to us as disciples through the ages. He's basically saying this. The tenth thing that you see there is we will witness of Jesus. We will witness of Christ. The Holy Spirit will help you bear witness. Now, I know some of you are saying... Pastor Jack, I'm an introvert. By the way, you might think I'm an extrovert. I know it looks like I am, and I know for the most part, maybe I am. But my personality over the last 30 years, I'm older than 30, by the way, but specifically over the last 30 years, has changed a lot, and I'm actually becoming more introvert, believe it or not. I have to be extrovert because I'm up here in front of you. But you may say, well, yeah, that's your personality. That's the way that you witness to people. That's not me. I'm not saying you have to witness like I do. The scripture doesn't say you have to witness by proclaiming Jesus and preaching and grabbing a microphone and getting up in front of a crowd. But Jesus does tell the disciples, you will. Not you might. You will bear witness of me. So how you do that with your own personality, your own spiritual giftedness, and through the power of the Holy Spirit is up to you. But you will If you're a child of God and you're abiding in Jesus, you will witness of Him. Can I be real with you this morning? You know that I will, because I always am. And I'm hoping that God, and I know it starts with the pastor, so confession. One of the pastors. I hope that God will in the next year, in the coming year of 2023, 2023, Give us as a church such a passion and such a heart for people that yes, we will use our mouth because God gave us that as a gift. We will use our hands, we'll use our feet, we'll use whatever mechanism possible to witness to people about Jesus. Whatever that looks like. I read a recent statistic not too long ago that the average person in our churches in America The majority of them have never, not one time, shared their faith with somebody else. And we wonder why the world's the way it is. I don't know about you, but it makes me, two questions come to my mind. One question comes to my mind is, okay, does does those people surveyed really know Jesus? Because according to this passage, Jesus says to his disciples, you will bear witness of me. Now, you can be a good witness or you can be a bad witness, I guess. But one question that comes to my mind, do do these people really know Jesus? That were surveyed. And the second question that comes to my mind, do we really understand that that is a command of Scripture? Because for many, many years, I thought that that's what the paid professional ministry staff did. We should. But that's command the scripture for all of us. It's to witness of Jesus. Through our own giftedness, through our own personality, the way God's wired us. It could be as simple as having a cup of coffee with somebody and befriending who that person is. And if you're praying for that person who doesn't know Jesus, it's interesting how a lot of times, at least in my experience, you don't even have to ask the question. You don't even actually have to say a lot. Because at some point they will say... Wow, you know what? You, you tell me of this stuff you're going through in your life, and I don't even see you. Your, your life just stays even keel. How do you do that? 
boom, they just open the door. And you just say, well, you know what? It's because of a personal relationship with Jesus that I have. Can I, can I tell you about that? I believe our world right now is even more than any time I've been alive on the planet is, is asking that question, maybe not out loud yet, but they would if we as a church began to befriend those people with no strings attached and to love them the way Jesus wants us to love them. So here's the last question. Are you abiding? Are you abiding in Christ? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the teaching of your word. Thank you, Lord, for these examples that you give us. That if we're abiding in you, we're going to love people. We're going to bear witness of you. We're going to have joy. We're going to bear fruit. We're going to experience the pain of pruning and on and on it goes, God. Just thank you for the, for the reminder from your word. That these things are true if we are abiding. Lord, we live in a world huh, that makes it so extremely difficult to do that, to abide. What a powerful word. Abide. We, we can do that as we go through our day. Sitting in our truck, sitting in class, at work, at home, wherever we are. We can be abiding in you as we're just praying continually. Getting in your word when we can. Fellowshipping with other believers. So Lord, I pray this morning as we, as I take spiritual inventory of my life this morning. and We look at this laundry list of things that you share with your disciples. Say, this is what abiding looks like. Would you help us to be honest with you today? Church family, I love you. I just want to give you, I'm going to be quiet. I want to give you just a few minutes and just ask the Lord, Lord, am I abiding in you? Where, where do I need to improve? Where am I falling short? Help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And this morning as you're praying that prayer, just ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Lord, I thank you that we have the option, the choice, the decision to choose every day when we get up, are we going to abide in Jesus or not? Lord, I'm bright enough to know that I can't fool anybody in this room because I'm just like them. There's some days I'm abiding and some days I'm not. (laughs) And the days that I'm not, oh, it's noticeable. If you're around me, it's noticeable. God, would you help me? Would you help these friends in this room? Through the power of the Holy Spirit to abide in you. I dare say there's probably not a person in this room that would stand up and say, I want to see spiritual, lifelong, eternal fruit in my life and through my life. I want the joy of the Lord in my life. Lord, would you help us? Would you teach us how to abide in you? This morning, church family, we're going to sing a...
closing song, an invitation hymn in just a minute. Joey's going to lead us. And as we begin to sing this morning, maybe you just need to come to the front and pray. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to grab the hand of a friend and say, would you go pray with me? Or maybe you need to grab the friend of a hand and say, can I go and pray with you? I don't know what God's laid on your heart, what decision you need to make this morning, but I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come join me. Maybe you've been visiting for some time and today you're, you're saying, you know what, I want to be a part of, of this branch here at Crossroads. I want, to, I want to put my roots down here so that I can grow and be connected to the vine. If that's the prayer of your heart today, then when we begin to sing this morning, I want to invite you to come and let us know of your decision this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing our closing song. If you need to respond somehow this morning, I pray you do that today. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.